Pastor Xavier Reese offers the simple truths about giving. Notice the Lord spoke to Moses that he was to take from the people who desired to bring an offering for the building of the tabernacle whose heart was in it. That's the emphasis. In Exodus 25, 1 and 2, it says, Everyone who gives willingly with his heart, you shall take from a willing heart. That's the emphasis. Not the stuff, but the attitude. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Giving to ministry is scriptural, but unfortunately too many ministries operate on contributions in response to fund appeals rather than giving in response to the voice of God. And coming up, Pastor Xavier uses the example of obedience of the Israelites in the wilderness who gave tithes and offerings according to the proper motivation of the heart. You'll want to open your Bible, if it's handy, to the book of Numbers, chapter 7. One of the most tragic things that has happened within the church is the wrong message that has been communicated to the people about their financial giving to God. God at times is portrayed as financially being broke, unable to continue the work He has begun, let alone to finish it. But God declares in the scripture that if he did have a need, he would never ask any one of us. The earth is his and the fullness thereof. God is also portrayed as needing help. And then there's a financial plea that goes out in a very specific increment. Give a hundred, give a thousand, give fifty. And yet the scriptures teach us that it is to be willingly, not forced, not coerced. Then God is represented as some magical genie. That if you will give one, he will give you ten. And men are bent to using carnal means to motivate carnal people. And in the whole message, God is misrepresented. Nowhere in Scripture do any of these three things honor God, nor are they found within the Scriptures. Our giving is to be motivated by love and a hilarious heart. And if it cannot be done in that, then you shouldn't pollute God's offering. You should keep it. Put it in a can. Do something with it. But what a mess we have made if our representation of God and our giving to God as if God needed anything from you and I. If God could get something from us, it'd be a headache. If he could get it. That's about all. This morning we want to examine the giving that took place here in the book of Numbers by the leaders of Israel and learn some important lessons regarding our giving to God. Verses 1 through 17. Let me read them, and then we'll look at the sections. He says, Now it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, that he anointed it and sanctified it and all its furnishings. And the altar and all its utensils, so he anointed them and sanctified them. Then the leaders of Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses, who were of the leaders of the tribes, and over those who were numbered, made an offering. 
And they brought their offering before the Lord, six covered wagons, 12 oxen, a cart for every two of the leaders, and for each one an ox. And they presented them before the tabernacle. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Accept these from them, that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites, to every man according to his service. So Moses took the carts, the oxen, and gave them to the Levites. Two carts and four oxen he gave to the sons of Gershom, according to their service. And four carts and eight oxen he gave to the sons of Merai, according to their service, under the hand of Ithamar, the son of Aaron the priest. But the sons of Kohath he gave none, because theirs was a service of the holy things which they carried on their shoulders. Now the leaders offered the dedication offering for the altar when it was anointed. So the leaders offered their offering before the altar. For the Lord said to Moses, They shall offer their offering one liter each day for the dedication of the altar. And the one who offered his offering on the first day was Nashon, the son of Abinadab, from the tribe of Judah. His offering was one silver platter, the weight of which was 130 shekels, and one silver bowl of 70 shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, both of them full of fine flour mixed with oil as grain offering. One gold pan of 10 shekels, full of incense, one young bull, one ram, one male lamb in its first year as a burnt offering. One kid of the goat as a sin offering. And for the sacrifice of peace offering, two oxen, five rams, five male goats, and five male lambs in their first year. This was the offering of Nashon, the son of Abinadab. Now this may not sound a lot like your shopping list, ladies, but um, it's itemized. All that they gave. Now, there are some very important lessons regarding our giving that are found in this passage. There are three important things that we find in their giving to God that will teach us in our giving to God. First of all, their giving was in response to the goodness of God, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, their giving was in response to the work of God, verse 4 through 9. And third and last, their giving was in response to their dedication to God, Verses 10 through 17. Let's look at the first. Their giving was in response to the goodness of God. Verses 1 through 3. Notice first, the people responded to the finished work of the tent of meeting, where God would speak to Moses and the high priests. Now it came to pass when Moses had finished setting up the tabernacle, it was done. It was set up. And they responded to the finished work of that tabernacle. The instructions and patterns for the tabernacle and the furnishings were given in Exodus, Exodus 25 through 31. Remember we were there, just the labor of water, the brass altar, the altar of incense, the showbread table, the lampstand, the veil, the ark, uh, the whole compartment of, of the complex of the building, 15 by 15, 15 by 30, the holy place, most holy, the courtyard, 75 by 150. Uh, all of that stuff, all that repetition stuff, it was all given in Exodus. The promise of God to meet and to speak to the high priest and to Moses on the, over the mercy seat between the cherubims was found in Exodus 25, 18 through 22. There I will meet with you and speak to you from the mercy seat. You see, their giving was in response to God who would speak to them. 
So often we get impressed with people who will speak to us, who we know. And yet God knows us, God speaks to us, and yet we're not too impressed at times. Oh, are you a Christian? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and to think that he's the creator. And that he would even want to communicate with me. That he would go out of his way to speak to me. Oh, if I would go out of my way just 10% of the time as God goes out of his way to speak to me, my ear would be tuned a lot better to him. Notice the people responded also to the anointing of the tabernacle and all its furnishings. They were being set up and they were being set apart for the purpose of fellowship with God. The latter portion of verse 1. This marked that all the vessels that had been done and put together were going to be used for the work of God for man to come to God. This was a system by which God established for man to be able to approach God. They were to be exclusively for that work, for fellowship with God. Nothing else. The tabernacle was reared up the first day of the first month, the second year after they left Egypt. Exodus 40, verse 1 through 8, it tells us there. Moses anointed everything on the same day. Exodus 9, uh, chapter 40, verse 9 through 33, the rest of the chapter. And so he anointed the altar, the labor, table of bread, the candelabra, the altar of incense, the veil, the ark, the mercy seat, cherubims, everything set apart for God. And then the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle of meeting. And Moses was unable to enter into it. And there was a visible cloud over the tent by day and a fire by night. The people responded to the very visible presence of God in a theophany, an appearance of God, in such a way that you knew he was present. Because man cannot see God and live. So he has to veil his glory, whether it be in a cloud, fire, whatever it may be. That's what's a theophany, an appearance of God. And so they responded to the anointing of the tabernacle, getting excited. You ever start a work and you start and you get excited just thinking about it and you start doing it and then halfway through you do them, you get excited every time you finish that stuff. This is what's going on. They were responding to God. But notice thirdly, the people responded to the presence of God and the Levites in celebration. They made an offering, verses 2 and 3. The leaders of every tribe brought their offering and it gives them there. Six covered wagons, two oxen, a cart of every two liters, and for each one an ox, and they presented them before the tabernacle. Notice the gift was corporate. It was a corporate involvement by the leaders and the heads of the families of their father's house. None was excluded. They were all involved. But notice also in verse 3, the gift was an offering before the Lord, not man. They brought their offering before the Lord. So important. I think too often today in the church, men and women are encouraged to bring their offering before man so that they can get an applause, so that they can be looked up to, so that they can get their name on a parking stall, a pew, or a toilet bowl, or something like that. <laughs> and it's a sad commentary on the leadership, not on the people, on the leadership. It should not be so. It's a very private matter between you and God in obedience. Their giving was in response to the goodness of God. What is your response to the goodness of God in your life? 
How do you respond? Do you respond? Why do you respond? Where do you respond? Very important questions. God has not simply saved you to give you fire insurance out of hell. I guarantee you. He has saved you to use you, to minister unto you, that you might respond to His goodness in your life. Notice secondly, their giving was in response to the work of God. Verses 4 through 9. Notice first, the gift was accepted by God in evidence of being from their heart. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Accept these from them. That's all you need. That means that God saw the heart and He saw that it was willingly, lovingly of a hilarious giving and He accepted it. God does not accept begrudging giving. We don't want you to pollute God's offering. He wants a willing heart. Notice the Lord spoke to Moses that He was to take from the people who desired to bring an offering for the building of the tabernacle whose heart was in it. That's the emphasis. And you find this through the book of Exodus. We've gone through it when we went through the whole thing. In Exodus 25, 1 and 2, it says, Everyone who gives willingly with his heart, you shall take. That's what God is after. The emphasis through the book of Exodus, if you have read it, though you see the meticulous things of the tabernacle, this curtain's like this, hooked like this, and this size and that size, and you get all that kind of stuff. But the emphasis out of that whole meticulous detail of information is this, and it appears every so often, he who comes from a willing heart. That's the emphasis. Not the stuff, but the attitude. And you find that in Exodus 35, 21, 29, and other places through there. Notice, secondly, the gift was to be used for doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting by the Levites at the Lord's direction. Verse 5, the rest of it. He says that they may be used in doing the work of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall give them to the Levites, to every man according to his service. The work was the Lord's, as he had directed, not Moses. This was not Moses' desire to build himself a kingdom and to glorify himself. It was at the direction of God, very important, that whatever God is doing, then you can confirm and affirm that, and that the stuff that comes in, whether it be finances or, or uh, people's time, whatever it is, is used for the work that God has directed. I think too many people are building their own kingdom today. I think they're in competition. I think they're there to please men, and they're not doing what God wants them to do. Now, sometimes God begins a work and then man grabs a hold of it and he continues and he wants to build it a little bigger than God has in, in mind. And so then they have to pump the people. They have to pressure the people. They have to lay heavy trips on the people. They have to start selling and offering Jesus junk. If you send in $1,000, we'll give you this nice little pin. It says, the Lord bless you. <laughs> Why do I want a pin? I got a whole Bible that tells me that. And it's free. It's a carnal means. Poor God, let's help him out. The pattern of everything was given to Moses on the mount. It was God's orders. They were to construct it exactly as the pattern. Why? Because everything in the plans represented the things in heaven. You find that in Exodus 25.9, 25.40, 
the next chapter, Numbers 8.4, and in Hebrews 8.5, it says that those were patterns of things that were in heaven. Moses did not design the ark. Moses did not design the tabernacle. God gave him the very pattern. If you look up in Chronicles, you will find out that God also gave to David the very plans for the temple, though he could not build it. And God desired obedience to it. But notice thirdly that the gift was to be divided by the hand of Moses. The end of verse 5 says, To every man according to his service. And so Moses took the carts of the oxen, he gave them to the Levites, verse 7 and 8, down through 9, he tells us of the dispersion. Notice the gift was to be given to every man according to his service. Mark that well. Let me let you in on some news. The church is not a democracy. We don't vote for things. And often we bring this mentality into the church. And people start getting into ministry or they observe from a, a, a faraway place and they look at what's going on. They say, well, why doesn't some of the money go over here? You know, there's a big need over here. We should do this and that. We believe that God has an emphasis on each ministry or each church. And He raises up those men and those overseers. And as God leads through prayer, they will see where God is leading and those funds will be applied to the emphasis of that ministry. Some ministries have their focus on missions wholeheartedly. And that's where the majority of their funds and energies go. That's what God has raised them up for. Though every church should be involved in missions. Others will emphasize evangelism. And you will see much of the energy and the whole work and, and everything go towards evangelism in different ways. Then there's other ministries that focus their emphasis on teaching. And that's where it will be used. Though there will be evangelism going on, missions going on, everything else. And so it's important that we realize that the division, whether it be of energies, of gifts, of funds, whatever it is, it is according to the service. You might look on and say, well, you know, how come the children's ministry doesn't do this and have this and that? But it's not, let's get it all in and there's 12 ministries and let's divide 12 into it. It's not a democracy. We believe that we desire to please God by the way He's directing and the way He's moving. And that He will put the emphasis on the direction that He is moving. And often people don't understand this and they start to run and think of the church as some kind of corporate organization. And they think with their mind of the world rather than the biblical mind of what God is doing. Instead of following the Lord's lead, they want to lead. And it's no good. Now notice the division. In verse 7, the Gershonites received two carts and four oxen according to their service. According to their service. This is the emphasis. Why? Because in chapter 4, verse 24 through 26, we get the work described. They were to have the hangings, the screens, and all that stuff. In proportion... To their work, that's all they needed. Notice in verse 8, the Merarites received four carts and eight oxen according to their service. Why? Because their service is described in chapter 4, verse 31 through 32, and their work was the pillars, the, the sockets, all the heavy stuff. They needed more carts. They had the greater work. For he says, and four carts and eight oxen were given to the sons of Merarites according to their service. So it's not about being fair. 
It's not about being equal. It's not about being democratic. It's about following the Lord's lead. What is he leading? Now, if you don't understand that, you get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. But hopefully you see the church that is moving with God, you see God's blessing, you see His direction, and you see the leadership honoring it, and you see the fruitfulness of it, and you say, Amen. Be careful. Lest you think that your duty is done as you come in and you give money, and all of a sudden you have one vote. Now you have to mark those people, make sure they're leading scripturally, honorably. It will be evident. And if not, get out. Don't follow them. The Kohathites in verse 9 received none because they would carry the holy furnishings on their shoulders. Now some people say, well, that's not fair. I mean, that's heavy. Why should they carry that stuff? Give them a card. God didn't want that. You see, sometimes you will look at people's lives and you'll say, well, that's not fair. Are, are you better than God? Why does God do that? Hey, God knows what he's doing in that person's life. Don't come in and try to help them. This is the trouble we get into. You know, our tendency is sometimes in a right attitude, we say, well, you know, I got to help this guy. But what if God is trying to teach them something and you come by and help him? He's got to take that test all over again. So I have to pray and say, Lord, do you want me to help him? Or am I going to mess things up for you? You see, I have to be careful what I do. I want to follow the Lord's lead. They were to carry it on their shoulders, for they spoke of the very person of Christ who was to be exalted above all things. Everything in the ark, symbolic of Jesus. The mercy seat of the mercy seat of God, the cherubims up in the throne of God, the ark of the covenant. The metals, gold, spoke of deity, silver, redemption, brass, judgment, the acacia wood, humanity. You would have God become man to judge the sins of the world and redeem mankind. Interesting. He would be the very lamb, the very high priest. The altar of incense would be the access to God through the prayers of Jesus Christ. The table of showbread would be the bread of life. Jesus Christ would come down from heaven. The lampstand would be the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Everything pictured and foreshadowed the person of Christ. We went through all those details in the book of Exodus. For that reason, Uzzah was struck by God when they brought the ark from the Philistines back to Jerusalem and he hit a pothole and he went to touch it and, and to secure it and God struck him and David was fearful and David was angry with God. And he went back to Jerusalem and left the ark at the house of Obadiah. And then God began to bless Obadiah out of his gourd and, and David says, we got to find out what's going on. He went to the Levites and found out that they transported in the heathen way. How did they transport? On a cart. What does it say? No cart for the Kohathites. On the shoulders. They got all squared away, went back there, brought it back. David did sacrifice, brought it back into Jerusalem. You see, when you do it God's way, it always works. When you do it your, your way and my way, it shows. Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. And it shows, you know what I mean? It shows. You can find that in 1 Chronicles 15, 12 through 13, where David sought the Levites for it. And so their giving was to be in response to the work of God. What is your response to the work of God? Be it here, be it wherever you go. 
Are you one who always says, oh, that's great, and you boast about it, and you share about it, and you partake about it, but you're never part of it? Do you respond to the work of God? Pastor Xavier Reese has been leading us through a simple truth study of giving as we're following the Israelites in their exodus through the wilderness drawn from our series in the book of Numbers. And there's much more of this initial message to come next time. But if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy. And the title you want to ask for is simply, The Giving of the Leaders. It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is The Giving of the Leaders, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com